0: Amen. All right, well, we're going to look this morning at something the Lord's been breathing on a lot lately in our community. Uh, We're going to talk about our identity in sonship, our identity in sonship. We're going to talk about what it means to be sons and daughters of God, what it means to be actually adopted into the family of God in our relationship with our Heavenly Father. Specifically, we're going to look at the way that the Father related to Jesus as a sort of template for how we are to relate to the Father. And the the Bible bears that out, that that as the Father loved Jesus, the Father loves us. And so this is our, our example, is the Father's relationship with the Son of God. And so I want to speak right into that. Now, let me just say this on the front end. I was thinking about this It's been 15 years for me where I've been teaching and preaching uh, the message on the Father heart of God. Um, You know, for years, I, I, I didn't preach much on the love of God. I just thought, well, that's not that important. I don't know why I thought that. I just was fire and revival and repent. And then the Lord captured my heart about 15 years ago. And he really started ministering to me about who he is as a bridegroom God and who he is as a father. And I was teaching an internship of young adults who were uh, going to spend six months seeking the Lord and fasting and prayer in the house of prayer. And, and, and one of the leaders of the internship said, hey, we want you to preach on the father heart of God. And I remember thinking, I don't know anything about the father heart of God. I've never preached that message before. So I had to just begin to study and find as many resources as I could and try to digest as much as I could in about a week to try to begin to get this in my heart. And and what happened was it began to impact me dramatically. It began to settle my heart in the love of God and and change my emotions just in that week. And I remember the very first time I preached on the Father heart, the way that God feels towards us as a father. I remember I'm preaching and speaking, uh, teaching to a group of about 60 or 70 interns and in the room people are weeping. The very first time I ever preached the message, and I knew that this was a message the Lord was giving me to carry you know, for the rest of my life, and it was something that I've leaned into for 15 years. I've taught it regularly um, to our interns and, and, and to our staff and in services, and, and I wanna, I'm saying that to say this, that as recently as the last 10 days, the Lord has been dramatically impacting my heart on this message. He's been really ministering to me about my own sort of approach to God as a father, and it's, ch- it's even changing me now. And, and so you may be somebody who's heard the message of the love of God a hundred times, it may, or you may be somebody that it's brand new to you, um, or you may be somebody that's, maybe you've heard this message on the Father Heart of God for a long time. I've taught it for 15 years, and I'm telling you, within the last week or so, 10 days, the Lord is radically encountering me over this. And so I'm saying all that to get your attention, because I don't want you to, to uh, clock out. What I want you to do is lean in right now and, and, and hear what the Lord has been sharing with me. Um, I want to start with 1 John chapter 3. Again, just drawing out the importance and the really the excitement of this thought that God as a father loves us and, and, and delights in us and, and wants us as family. And so here we have John, known as the beloved disciple. He's the one that put his head on Jesus' chest at the Last Supper. He was so close to the Lord, so intimate with the Lord and here he is now writing this letter to the churches, and it's, it's later in his life, and, and so he's a mature apostle. He's been sort of marinating in this message of the love of God from the time that, Jesus, that he walked with Jesus to now later in life. And look at what he says in 1 John 3.1. He says, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called children of God, exclamation point. And I think that exclamation point is right. I know the translators add that in there later. But this is a thing that John, later in life, after he's been on this message for years and years and years, he's still shocked over. He's still excited over. It's not old, you know, bread to him. It's something that's still extremely fresh. And so this is what I want to emphasize to you. If the message of God's affections for you in any way has become trite or if it's just become plain, if it doesn't move you, if it doesn't have the exclamation point on it, I want to encourage you, we have to get refreshed in the knowledge of his love for us. I love this word, behold. I went through one time and did a Bible study on this term, behold, because we don't ever say it anymore. No one ever goes, behold, look at my shoes. You know, they just don't. Uh, behold, here I am. No one, no one says that, and, but it's all in the Bible. like It's like a couple hundred of them. And I read every verse where it says behold. And what I, what I like to refer to the behold is, I like to call it the divine voila. Every time there's a behold, the next statement is voila. I mean, it is a big deal. Every behold, there's not one that's minimal. And so he's saying, behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we would be called the children of God. (laughs) Behold, consider it, let it shock you, let it wow you, let it overwhelm you. And beloved, this is what we have to come to grips with. We are made to live this life totally overwhelmed with the love of God Anything less, and we're living outside of the way that God created us. The whole world is looking for love. They're looking for it, and that song says it rightly, in all the wrong places. And that's how you and I are wired. We're wired for love. Our hearts our hearts desire the wow, the awe of love. The wonder of affection being poured into us and, and the exhilaration of affection being poured out of us. Something so transcendent that we'd be willing to give our very own life for love. And then we stare into the heart of one who is eternal, who is infinite, and we realize this that for love, he created us. For love. He created us for love. The Father fully in himself without any need. Comes up with the entire plan of creation for love. He wanted you. We say it this way, the father wanted a family. The son desires a bride, but the father wanted a family. So he created many sons and daughters, and he sent his only begotten, the only one that's as of him. He sent that one to come and purchase all of us, because the father wanted us and you're sitting there listening to this right now, and you and I, I promise you, we only have a sliver of comprehension of what it means that God wants you. In the eternal heart of God, the passion of God, the desire of God is bearing down on our very soul. He's pouring out his desire upon you right now. He wants you. He wants no barriers. He wants nothing in the way. He doesn't want a distance between you and him. It says in Ephesians 1, he wants to be, you to be before him in love. And beloved, this is what we're made for. This is our construction. We're made by the God who is love to flow back and forth in love with him forever. We're made to receive and give love that's why when we're not flowing in love, when love isn't filling our soul, and when, we're not, when love's not flowing out of us, we live broken, we live completely upside down. And what do we see in the world? Is a world full of people made for love and filling that chasm with every other possible thing. And it ends up being so twisted and perverted and broken in so many ways. But, oh, the words of the beloved disciple John, behold, what manner of love is this, that we should be called the children of God. And then I love what Jesus says about the Father's love John 17 I have to give this as an introduction because if we don't lay this on then what I'm about to explain to you about sonship and Jesus example to us won't make any sense but John 17 he's praying it's the high priestly prayer it's the big prayer at the end of Jesus life where he's pouring out his guts saying everything he wants to say and he's saying I in them and you in me that they may be perfect in one and that the world may know that you have sent me there's this 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 glory of, of oneness that God's given us in Christ, but this last phrase, and have loved them as you have loved me. Have loved them as you, Father, have loved me. Jesus is dropping a bomb on us. I want you to understand something. The way the Father feels about Jesus I mean, perfect Jesus is the way the Father feels about you. Oh, guys, that one is the, that is the bomb hit. (laughs) Because here's what we tend to do. We go, well, of course God loves, God the Father loves God the Son. God the Son's perfect. And I mean, of course, I mean, of course he loves that one. But you and me we're all broken and a mess and we're just you know just so discombobulated. I mean, he's more like having pity on us because he has to cuz he's love. And I mean, he really loves Jesus, but we're kind of the charity case. It's like we get the leftovers of love cuz he has to cuz his name is love and all that. And the Bible teaches something that's so radically different than that. And Jesus is very clear. He goes, that they would understand that you have loved them the way that you have loved me. And oh, beloved, this truth is a truth that will overwhelm your soul if you'll just take some time to consider it. You love me the way you love Jesus. You think about me the way you think about Jesus. You delight in me the way that you delight in Jesus. Your affections for me are the same as your affections are for Jesus. And Jesus goes ahead and he double stitches it. In John 15, 9, he says, I have loved you the way the Father has loved me. So Jesus loves us like the Father loves him, and the Father loves us like the Father loves Jesus. You know what? You are... (laughs) got barriers of love all around you, you you can't outrun the love of God. It's been from forever, it's to forever, it's comprehensive, and it's it's the chief motivator by which your heart is designed to move. In other words, you are made to move by love more than you're made to move by anything else. That's why all these other motivations, greed and title and position and all these things that humans go after, all these lusts, lusts, they're inferior to what the love of God actually offers you because you're made to run on love. You're like like a car that's made to run on a very premium, premium fuel and you are feeding it tar (laughs) if you're not running on love because there's nothing... That can motivate the human heart the way the love of God does. And if you will allow yourself to sit under that fountain of affections for any, just, I mean, any small amount of time, really allow it. Okay, you love me. Tell me again, you love me. He goes, I have no problem telling you again because love is patient. My love is infinite and it's infinitely patient. So I can tell you over and over and over and it doesn't even bother me. I go, okay, tell me again. He goes, I love you. I go, I don't believe you. He goes, no problem. I love you. I go, I'm not sure. He goes, I am. I love you. I go, but this and that and all these things. He goes, I love you. And I go, oh, but father, I've failed in so many ways. He goes, hey, hey, wait, wait, let me tell you something. I love you. I love you. And he keeps pouring that into me. And what I realize has happened to me over these years of just, just really drinking in the love of God, the message of his love, is it's transformed my emotional chemistry. It's transformed my internal propensity to judge others. It's transformed the way I look at myself and the way I look at other people. Because I realize this, if He loves me in all of my brokenness, in all of my weakness, in all of my inability, then He obviously loves everyone else in that same exact way. And how could I stand in the seat of judge over someone else when He's loving me, broken down me? Oh, I would love them the way that he loves them because I'm filled with his love for me. This thing called the love of God, it's what you are made for. It's what your heart was constructed to run on. It's the greatest motivator of our hearts. So this past week, I guess two weeks ago, 10 days ago now, I literally, I'll just, this is, I know, I, know, I, I get real, real, real. So if you can't deal with it, that's okay. But I'm just going to be real. I grabbed a couple of our leaders. I grabbed Stephen, Eugen, and Dustin. And I said, hey, guys, come here. I need to talk to you. I said, I need you to pray for me. I don't know if you need to break something off of me or put something into me. I don't know, but I'm having an issue. And they're like, talk to, talk to us about it. I go, I believe these things about sonship, but in my soul, something is not connecting. I feel a tension in my very soul. Even some of you right now, as I'm preaching on the lavish love of God, you're just like, you're, you're like ducking it and you're thinking it's for the person over there or for me, not for you. And there's a tension in your soul, it's disconnected. I go, there's something about the Father. Uh, gifts to me, the Father's inheritance for me, it's not connecting in my soul. I need you, brothers, to pray for me. And I'll shorten it down real, real narrowly. But in about 20 or 30 minutes, they began to help me identify that there were some areas in my own heart that I didn't even know were there of unforgivenesses towards Father figures in my life. I'm almost 50 I'm like looking at these guys like, I'm 50. I still got a father thing? Like, gee whiz. (laughs) But there are areas of unforgivenesses in my own heart that I didn't even know were there. And it it was so interesting because the Holy Spirit was just so gently helping me because as soon as I would say something that the Lord was putting his finger on, I would just break down weeping. I'd go from a normal voice to just broken down and I saw the Lord just touch two or three different areas, and I say, I confess unforgiveness, I repent of that, and that is not how the Father thinks of me. And I realized I had projected certain things upon the Father that I was holding others in unforgiveness about. And and that's what happens. When you don't forgive someone their sin, the scripture actually says you retain those sins. That's why why children of alcoholics are much more likely to become alcoholics. It's not a DNA thing. It's actually an unforgiveness thing. You retain the very thing you won't release. And I was actually projecting on God stuff that I hadn't forgiven other father figures of. And the Lord began to unpack this thing in me, bringing me into this understanding of sonship that's so dear to me. I shared this a few weeks ago, um, I think in a Sunday night or maybe a second service. I'll share it again. About a month ago, maybe five weeks ago now, <clears throat> I wake up in the middle of the night. My, my wife was stirring, and I, and I woke up right when she did. And <clears throat> I, I have on my mind, super, super clear, super loud on my mind, uh, Galatians four seven. And I don't know the reference at the time, all I know is Galatians 4.7, it's on my mind. I, I, my eyes open, Galatians 4.7, it's in my ears. And I don't want to forget it because I, I feel like it's the Holy Spirit speaking it to me. So I, I, my wife's stirring, I go, Galatians 4.7. She goes, are you talking to me? <laughs> I go, yeah, yeah, Galatians 4.7. And I'm just trying to remember, remember it. And I, and I see that she has her phone, she's checked her what time it is or something. I go, could you read it to me? And she goes, sure. Galatians 4, 7 says, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ Jesus. She reads that. I go, oh, read it again. You are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ Jesus. I go, yes. And literally, I'm like, wow, that's a good verse. It starts playing in my mind. It was was supernatural. I memorized the verse just by her reading it to me twice. It was just playing in my brain, just playing. I turn over, go to sleep. And I, I go to sleep, and I have a dream. And in the dream, I'm in a room where people are prophesying over me. And, and there's this woman prophesying to me. This is the whole dream. And she says to me, it's all about sonship for you. It's all about sonship for you. And I wake up. And when I wake up in my mind, and I don't know how these things work for you, but this is just how it works for me. I know it's 647. I know it. Before I look at the clock, I wake up and I know 647. It's 647. But for whatever reason, just in that, you know, that sleepy state when you first wake up, you're a little bit kind of cloudy. It it wasn't in my mind, it wasn't 647. It was G47. I I believed it was Galatians 47. And so I get my, I get my phone, reach over, grab my phone. I look at it and it's 646. Click 647. And there it is. I go, yeah. So I go, oh, I'm supposed to read verse six as well. And he says, verse six says, he's put the spirit of his son in our hearts by which we cry, Abba, Father. For you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ Jesus. And this is immediately what I saw in my spirit. I saw an open funnel, an open shaft of of blessing and glory and anointing and power from the father to me. As an heir, there is an open funnel between us and God, that's who we are as sons and daughters of God. And the Lord speaks to my head, he speaks this right to my heart, he says this, he says, you know that I'm a tender father who loves you, you know that I'm affectionate and I care for you, but you still act like a slave with me. And I was like, oh, how, how do, how? And I begin to pray into that, how, do, how is that? Well, the answer didn't come for a, a few days. But when the answer came, something unlocked in me. Again, I've been in this message for 15 years. Listen to me. And here's what the Lord showed me. He said, you believe I love you. You believe I have affection for you. Yet, you act like you have to work to receive my affections, even though you already believe you have them. And he gives me the example of Christmas. He goes, it's as if you come down on Christmas morning and you see all these presents under the tree and you know some have your name on it. But the first thing you say is, what do I need to do to get these presents from you, Father? Now, let me just ask you, if it were Christmas and your kid came downstairs on Christmas morning and you got their gifts, and the kid looks at you and goes, "Do you want me to do some chores so I can get the presents?" You'd be like, "Baby, no. Yeah, I'll work for you. I'll work so I can get the presents. I'm ready for the presents. I'll work to get these for me." We'd be like, "Uh, come out!" I mean, like, what is that? Stop! I'd be like, "Stop! Come here. I love you. I love you. These are yours. No, I want to work for you, Daddy." I would be so broken. No, these are yours. These are yours. And he started showing me that I was trying to perform to receive the stuff he'd already given me. I was getting rocked. So then the Lord begins to show me Jesus. And he shows me what Jesus is like in sonship and and how this whole thing plays out in Jesus' life. And and so I, I want you to think about Jesus baptism. Now, when Jesus gets baptized, there is an audible voice declaration over Jesus. You know what, it's, what the Lord said, you are my beloved son in whom I am well-pleased you are my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Luke 3.22, it says, the Holy Spirit descended in bodily form like a dove upon him and a voice came from heaven, which said, you are my beloved son in you I am well pleased. Can you imagine what that would be like? Second service, will have some baptisms. Several are gonna get baptized. Can you imagine what that would be like when we dunk somebody, bring them up, and, you are my beloved son, and who I'm well pleased, we'd be like, whoa, what just happened? Whoever that person would be, we'd say, lay hands on all of us, what was that? That would be epic. This is the most epic thing. They heard the thunderous voice of the Father over the Son, "'You are my beloved Son. "'I'm pleased with you.'" It's interesting because Jesus, in his high priestly prayer, John 17, he would go on to pray and he would say, "'Father, let them understand that you love them "'the way you love me.'" To make it clear, just like the Father thundered over Jesus because he takes pleasure in Jesus and he loves Jesus, it would be no different if he thundered over any of us because he loves us the exact same way so at his baptism the bible says the heavens were opened to him the holy spirit descended upon him like a dove now this is a little confusing but let me just clear us up the holy spirit wasn't a dove it was like a dove okay? He appeared, there was a light, a presence, a glory, something, Holy Spirit falling, and he descended like a dove. If you ever watch, you can go on YouTube, you can look at videos of doves descending. What they do is they flitter, fly, and they flitter around, and then they go, boom, they dive bomb. The Holy Spirit fell like a dove. He fell like fire. He fell fast upon the Son of God, and there was something visible, physical that they could see. It wasn't, you know, these movies, these Jesus movies, and the dove comes and lands on Jesus. It wasn't that. So like a dove, the glory of God falls. The Holy Spirit falls on Jesus. Thunderous voice from heaven. You are my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And, And the Bible tells us the heavens were opened over Jesus at that moment. Now, immediately... In Luke 4, the very first thing that happens is the Holy Spirit leads Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. This is so interesting. Romans 8.14 tells us that as many are the sons of God are led by the Spirit of God. Okay, so as an emblem of Jesus' sonship, the Holy Spirit then begins to lead Jesus' life. In fact, the whole of Jesus' earthly ministry was him only being led by the Holy Spirit and only saying what the Father told him to say and only doing what the Father told him to do. This is the whole ministry, earthly ministry of Jesus. He only says what the Father says, and he only does what he sees the Father do. He's never operating outside of the will of the Father. He's never speaking out of turn with the voice of the Father. If if you wanted a good definition of sonship, that's what it is. It's that, that Romans 8, 14, as many as are sons of God are led by the Spirit of God. This was Jesus' entire ministry. In fact, in John 5, Jesus says it so specifically. He says this. He says, I can only do what I see the Father do. I can only do. I'm like, you are God in the flesh. He goes, yes, but I am a son, and I am under the authority of my Father, and I can only do what what I see him do, and I can only say what I hear him say. The only time we ever see Jesus in variance with the Father's will is when? In the garden, right? Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. That's the prayer of a son. Not my will, but your will be done. And what's going on with Jesus? God in a human frame, it's not that he's weak as God, it's that the human frame is weak. The human frame, though it's, it can be completely sinless, it still has to make the choice of obedience. Man, I'm preaching real good right now. Y'all are getting this, yeah? And this issue of obedience that Jesus Christ walked out every single day the entirety of his life, this is his the emblem, the greatest emblem of his sonship. As many as are the sons of God, they are led by the Spirit of God. So the Holy Spirit leads Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. What was the last thing again that the father said at the baptism? You're my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. What's the first thing Lucifer says to him at the temptation? If you are the son of God. Prove it. And beloved, this is the, it is the cornerstone of Satan's attempts to pervert your identity. To get you to do things that the Father's not leading you to do. This is it. If you are the Son of God, show us. And the very first thing he says is, take these stones and make them bread. Now, so much has been taught about the the fact that Jesus is having to ward off the different lusts of the flesh and and the pride of life and those points. And And I believe that, I get that. But I'm telling you, that's not the main thing that's going on here. The main thing that's going on here is an attack on his identity. An attack on his sonship. The last thing the father said is, I am well pleased in you. You are my beloved son. The first thing that Lucifer says is, if you are the son of God, prove it, which is so interesting to me because Jesus' whole ministry, again, was predicated on, I only say what I heard the father say. I only do what I see the father do. And Lucifer tries to get him to prove that he's a son by operating outside of the Father's will. Here's what I want to call all of us to. Radical, radical surrender to our sonship. Radical surrender to the love of God. Radical, radical surrender to the leadership of the Holy Spirit. Because here's what's going on. When we feel like we must operate outside of the Holy Spirit's leadership, we're stepping into an orphan mentality. We're acting as if we don't have a father that loves us. And that orphan mentality, uh, Paul actually calls it in Romans 8, a spirit of bondage. The orphan ends up outside of the will of God, bound with all sorts of things. The son lives in the will of God, free and liberated in the love of God. And so he says this, he says, turn these stones, turn them into bread, because Jesus had fasted 40 days and said he was hungry. He goes, now, turn them into bread, prove that you're the son of God. And Jesus gives the answer. Now, we always emphasize that he, re- he re- to Lucifer with the word of God, which is right. Satan talks to you, you give him back the word. But here's the point of what he says. Think about what he said. Man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. What's he describing to us? The proof of his sonship that we don't live just by what you expect of me. We don't live by what society demands of me. We don't live by what any peer would pressure me to be or do. We live only, only by the words that come from our Father. And oh, beloved, I'm telling you, because we're unwilling to be patient in the love of God and allow God to lead us and direct us and speak to us and and show us what to do in life because we're unwilling to do that. We live as an orphan as if we don't have a father and ultimately we find ourselves in bondage. And I'm gonna tell you the way to break the bondage is repent of the disobedience, repent of the unforgiveness, Repent of all of that stuff that's brought you outside of the Father's will and come right inside the Father's will and and take on the same mentality that Jesus had. I'll only do what you want me to do, Father. I'll only say what you want me to say. Now, this preaches real good, and it's real easy to amen to this message, but I want you to think about something. In Jesus' First steps in ministry, Holy Spirit on him, audible voice of God, anointed, and the Holy Spirit leads him to go lay hands on everybody and blow it all up. No. The Holy Spirit leads him to do the exact opposite of what every last one of us would have done, to go to the wilderness, and the leadership of the Father to take his son to the wilderness to stand the temptations of the enemy, it's not anything that the flesh would ever choose. And beloved, what I'm trying to tell you is this. There is a fashioning and a formulating of your identity in sonship, and it's the leadership of the Lord, and he will take you places you would have never chosen to go, but the outcome is gonna be far grander than whatever your mind can conceive. And this is what it means to be a child of God, that we live in this life, and we're not of this place that we're not in the current and the flow of this world, that we're operating according to a different influence, the influence of the Spirit of the Lord. And I'm telling you something, there's liberty in that place. Because if no one else owns me, but my Father owns me, then I don't have to impress you. I don't have to be cool. I don't have to meet your expectations. I just get to live under this open channel of grace. The Father freely bestowed on us and the beloved. I I get to live under the, the smile of the Father who he says, it's his good pleasure to give us the kingdom. And I'm telling you something, there is a liberty coming on my soul that is grander than I've experienced in 15 years of marinating in the love of God. And it's this, I'm his boy, and he likes me. He really likes me. The end. <laughs> like, what else is there? My father loves me. And he loves you too. And, and, and that's what I'm just saying. Joyfully surrender to your sonship. Joyfully surrender to your daughtership. Behold what manner of love is this. Joyfully surrender to it. Quit giving every excuse why it couldn't be you because none of those excuses even hold an inch of authority over the blood of Jesus Christ. The Father's sacrifice is only begotten for you because he wanted you. He wanted intimacy with you. He wanted full relationship with you. And here's my point. Our whole life in this age is to be lived as sons and daughters who are fully confident in our identity and sonship. So Jesus, led by the Spirit into the wilderness, the devil, out of the three temptations, two, he says, if you are the Son of God, he's hitting right at the core of the identity. And Jesus, he rebukes the devil by quoting the Word of God and and really delineating, I only live by what the Father says to me, right? And he really just puts Satan in his place. And then it says, he returned in the power of the Spirit, led by the Spirit and returned in the power of the Spirit. And I'm trying to tell you, this is our portion. Led by the Spirit and returning in the power of the Spirit. Led by the Spirit, withstanding the attacks of the enemy. Returning in the power of the Spirit. With the Holy Spirit filling us and our identity in sonship absolutely secure. Because when he stands against the attack on his sonship, he arises completely confident in love. And that's our portion. Confidence in love. Confidence in love. Listen, I I wake up every morning and I don't get out of bed and go ta da he loves me. I don't. My my wife can atta- attest when I wake up I'm like whoa, what day is it? I mean it's all. I mean it's just I'm not that morning person. Every, I mean I, I I get up early but it's I'm never like ba-ding, I'm never that guy. And most days when I roll out of bed I'm not. I don't. I. I physically, I do not feel saved. I feel like I need real deliverance about every day. And it's just, it's just I don't know. It's just my chemistry or whatever. It's, I think it's circadian rhythms we can talk about later. All right, so here's the point. Because I know you're going to come at me with my green drinks and all that stuff. It's, it's, it's good. So I just don't, don't come at me with green drinks, okay. But, but here's the thing. I don't feel like what I'm telling you right now, 90% of the mornings I roll out of bed. I don't. I don't feel like what I'm explaining, but faith is not a feeling. My salvation is not predicated on what I feel. The fact that we install so much belief in how people feel from day to day until their genders are fluid is insanity because the way I feel from day to day is horrifying. If I told you everything I felt, it would be terrible. My my, my feelings don't make me. I govern my feelings by what is truth. And what's truth is whether I feel like roadkill when I get out of bed or not. He loves me. He delights in me. I'm his beloved son in whom he is well pleased. I have an open channel of grace over me. And I have, by the gift of grace, the sonship that Jesus bought for me. The last thing is this. When Jesus returns in the power of the Spirit, it says he goes right to Nazareth. Right to his hometown. And he flips open, they give, him, they give him the scroll from the prophet Isaiah, he flips it open to Isaiah 61, and he says this, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He's anointed me for the recovery of, of sight to the blind, to heal the brokenhearted. He, he's anointed me to, to get the prisoners out of jail, to, to, those that are bound, to get them free. He goes, and I'm going to comfort all who mourn, and this is the way I'm going to do it. I'm going to give them a new headdress of glory. I'm going to give them a robe of glory. He goes, they will have the spirit of glory instead of the spirit of heaviness upon them. And what's he saying? What is that language there? What is that Isaiah 61 language? Adoption. It's the new headdress. It's the new robe. It's the new spirit on you of adoption instead of the spirit of bondage that's on you. He goes, I'm anointed as a son to bring everyone into sonship. And beloved, that's what Luke 4.18 is all about. The very first thing he says after he withstands the temptation over his own sonship is, I'll bring them all into sonship. And this is our portion that our elder brother Jesus, who's anointed to heal us, to deliver us, to set us free and bring us into adoption, that he's looking right now at us to introduce us to the Father and bring us into our identity. What would happen? What would happen if we all got free of an orphan mentality right now? Seriously, if we didn't think I have to work to get God to love me, what would happen if every last one of us believed in the open channel of grace that we are heirs of God because of what Jesus has done and not by any of our own works? What would happen to us? Not just individually, what would happen? Yeah, you'd be a lot happier but what would happen to us corporately? What would be going on in our house churches? What would be going on in our prayer room? Everybody in full revelation of their own sonship would step right into the love of God and live right from that place of the love of God. I'm telling you, there would be more deliverance going on through this spiritual family than anything you could imagine because the orphans would come running in here. They'd be saying, give me what you've got. I'm convinced of this. This is the last thought. Our biggest challenge right now is coming into our identity as sons and daughters. Truly embracing it, truly receiving it, and allowing the love of God to motivate us, to fill us, and fully deliver us from all these other things that we do, all this gymnastics we do to try to get God to to approve of us, to love us, to give us his gifts. See, everything is a gift in grace. Everything is an invitation in grace. We don't deserve any of it, but He is delighted to give it to us because we're His children. This is our portion, beloved. Oh, I want to pray for us. Let's just stand. We don't need an altar call because we all would be in the altar. I would be there too. There's greater measures of understanding of the the identity that we have as sons. Oh man, I I wanna live like this every single day. I wanna live in the truth of this. And this is our portion to live like Jesus. As As he is, so also are we that we would live like Jesus did. Not that we are the son, the Messiah, but in sonship, in that identity. Let's just close our eyes all over the room. Oh, Father, Father, you delight in us. You love us the same way you love Jesus. Lord, I'm asking where those areas of brokenness have wedged themselves in our souls, where we have not engaged in our identity as sons and daughters, where we live trying to prove to you that we're worthy to be loved or trying to prove to others that we deserve acclaim. God, get that out of us. Where we live like orphans who don't have an inheritance, get it out of us. Where we live in rivalry and infighting, get it out of us. And give us the revelation of your amazing affection and delight for us. You've given us your Spirit by whom we cry out, Father, Father, Lord, deliver us from an orphan mentality. Set us free in your love. Set us free in your love. Let us know the full acceptance of the Father. The full delight. who. You love me, and you like me. Lord, where there's unforgivenesses in our hearts that have anchored us to an orphan mentality, make it clear. Break us free of it. Show it to us. Show us who we have to forgive. And overwhelm us, overwhelm us with revelation of your delight, revelation of your love. Behold, what manner of love is this that we would be called children of God? You are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ Jesus. For he's given you his spirit by which we cry out, Abba, Abba, Father. Lord, make it real in us. Make it real in our whole spiritual family because we want to operate in the power of Luke 4.18. We want to operate in the power, the anointing that the Son of God had. We thank you for it, Lord. We love you. We love you, Lord. We're grateful. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Amen and amen. All right, God bless you. You are dismissed.